Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice. To get involved, go to xyadvisor.com or simply download the XY Advisor app. This series is brought to you by Hub24, Australia's leading provider of integrated platform, technology and data solutions to the wealth industry. By working with licensees and advisors, Hub24 is delivering innovative solutions and service excellence that enables you to do business your way, creating efficiencies for your business and value for your clients. These are just some of the reasons why advisors have rated Hub24 number one for overall satisfaction and best managed portfolio functionality six years running, empowering better financial futures together. Find out more at hub24.com.au. Hello and welcome to this topic series on delivering cost-effective advice with an entrepreneurial mindset. My name is Fraser Jack and in this, the final episode rounding out the series, we explore how Greg Newman, head of distribution at Hub24, is working with so many business principles to help them lean into their entrepreneurial mindset. Now, I love it when we get to you know pull out the research and explore the findings and that's exactly what we got to do in this episode. So if the future of your business depends on you, then this episode is a must. Greg Newman, thank you so much for joining me again in this, the final episode of our five-part series. really appreciate you uh, coming along and being involved. Uh, now, in the first episode, we sort of mentioned um, that we're going to get you back in and talk to you about some of the opportunities and challenges that present themselves when it comes to, you know, thinking on with an entrepreneurial mindset um, in this world that we all live in, this ever-changing new world of advice, we like to call it. Uh, let's go, um, let's, let's kick off. Tell us about what are some of the opportunities you're seeing available. Thanks, Fraser. Um, I think one of the the most obvious um, opportunities for advisors at the moment is that that's a classic case of demand increasing, as in for advice, yet on the supply side, there is a decrease. The classic supply and demand. Which is, if you're on the right side of that, that's that's a great problem to have. Um, and so I think the, really the opportunity that we're, we're seeing for advisors is um, to play into that and be quite discerning about what part of an ever-growing opportunity do you want to play in? So being really, really clear about how you could tackle that. And there's lots and lots of different ways to do that. So we, we know that our advisor numbers are, are diminishing. I think in, in my previous conversation, we talked about them them dipping again almost to 15,000 in this financial year. But the, the retirement savings pool and, and the number of people involved is just growing at an exponential rate. So the needs, the needs growing, the advisor numbers are, are shrinking. You mentioned the word um, advisors getting clarity on what they're doing and, and you know, to be able to then uh, express what they're doing, exactly how they help clients. Uh, what are you seeing with advisors doing a great job and actually just narrowing that down and saying, this is what we're going to focus on? Yeah, and often the, the answer is under their nose. And the exercise of resegmenting their existing business around who are the clients that, one, they're enjoying dealing with. And it's an interesting way to start the segmentation process. Um, so there's very much a part that advisors are saying, if I'm going to be in this for the next 10 to 15 years and I've got a, an opportunity to deal with a particular type of 
of client, um, who is it that I enjoy dealing with and why? And it doesn't necessarily mean an economic value. It's, it's a type of client that they're, they're wanting to take on. So we've said there, what services do you want to, to provide is key. So that, that opportunity there is, is one that, that thinking about are there quite unique services that might need to be provided to a, a group of people. And we talked earlier about, say, some of the millennials um, where they, they may opt in for an advice event, which might be, you know, a, um, kind of an earlier, earlier phase in their life. It could even be an inheritance or, or money coming through. And having a specific set of services that meets their needs with the view that at some stage those clients will will then a, adopt a, a, a total advice model. And, and what it really starts to look like, Fraser, is that the traditional advice business, which might consist of uh, a couple of hundred clients that would be considered fee-paying ongoing advice clients, actually expands to maybe four or 500 clients where there's a rotating core of clients that are taking on ongoing advice um, arrangements and some are, are cycling in and some are cycling out. And, and that is very different to, to how the world we know is operated because you need quite a dynamic model that, that's related to pricing and services um, and, of course, the compliance of the advice around that. Yeah, it's very interesting, isn't it? I love, I love the, the concept that you just went in when you thought about you know, who you're going to deal with, what that, what's going to, you know, what what they need, uh, how and when you're going to provide that services and, exa- and get right into those. Um, you mentioned some of the um, the concepts around understanding that you know fees coming in and out, but that also relies heavily on a lot of the, uh, and so does the you know how you're going to provide these services. It relies a lot on sort of technology and data, you know, in this this new world of being able to say, well, let's actually use data to dictate some of the decisions we make around what business we're going to have yes and, and this is this is one of the most exciting parts of of um, where we can go with advice and I think most people have heard about their Robo advice and different journeys which have tended to be related probably to more of the industry super funds and, and doing inter interfund advice um, solutions um, at hub we've been partnering with with um, a number of groups including um, Aberdeen standard around the role of bionic advice, um, and yeah, we're still very much in the the early part of that. We've, we're in a, a beta beta test with a number of groups, but it's super exciting. And, and conceptually, what it is about is saying that, that there's a whole group of people who probably don't want to pay for, or the advisors don't want to charge them for a full advice package. But you need to get them on a, a journey with their own money really early on, and. Telling someone to have a relationship with their money is not going to be enough and it's very much data that, that plays a role, which we're seeing through the work we're doing is that if you can play back to a client, and it's usually an existing client, their life circumstance, which might be their bank accounts, their platform accounts, their investment or their share broking accounts, if you can play that back to them and say, is the issue and get them on a journey of education about here's where you are and doing a comparison to peers, or even just a, as simple as, you know, are you on track or off track for your retirement savings goal? It's a very different way the clients start to engage with their money. And that robo journey is very much one where people can self-educate and self-choose, look at different options, and this is very much played back to them. But there will be points where we see with that with this, this bionic advice approach where people would say, I don't want to self-help anymore. I actually want to opt out and I want to opt into an advice arrangement. 
Yeah, it's a, re- it's a really interesting point, this one, because this is, I mean, obviously, if we're thinking from an entrepreneur mindset, I always think of different industries and professions and how they're doing it. The DIY market is obviously is that, obviously huge when it comes to homeowning and, and building and those sorts of things. So people are now going and renovating their own bedroom instead of getting a, a, a painter and decorator in to do it, for example. Um, you've only got to think about Bunnings as a business model to understand mm. that there's a DIY market around available. But advice we haven't really been able to work through what that DIY model could or possibly look like. And you mentioned data being such a, a massive part of the truth and the sort of the source of data being accurate and being able to provide people with truthful data and information and, and to be able to say this is what they're doing, this is where they could be going, this is what they could be missing out on. But sometimes it's about, and what the advisors have done so well over many years is bring that emotional concept to that decision-making process to say, this means that for you. Mm. And this means that you will go from, you know, uncertain about how you're going to retire to confident about how you're going to, or whatever it might be from from one to the other. And, and advisors have done that really well. And that's probably something that Robo in the past hasn't really grasped. It's sort of been able to demonstrate the numbers, but not the emotional aspect. Oh, absolutely. And the thing that, um, that probably sits slightly before that is that the challenge in being able to play data back to people is that so much of the data that, that's held is unstructured. And when you've just got, you know, and it, remember we're talking about it, you know, these these um, bionic advice engines not being something that we put an ad and say, come and see me and you'll get advice from a complete stranger. This is usually clients of an existing advisor or they could be the siblings of existing clients or they could be the children of clients so there's a fair amount of relationship there it's just economically not quite lined up yet Um, and often that involves lots of unstructured data as far as file notes or or profiles about who they are or, or the like so part of that is saying here's what i know about you get the data right fill in the gaps for me and when you fill the gaps in, it gives me a, a fresh view of you. And a really powerful thing is to compare, you know, are there others in your age group or your like doing better than you are? Now, you don't obviously call it out in that way, but it shows what, where people are tracking on that retirement goal. And that's a huge motivator for people to act. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, we're sort of ingrained in us. That benchmarking thing is kind of ingrained in us. Anybody who's ever played a sport in their lifetime or, or just competed at a hand of cards or whatever it might be, there is this com- com- competition that creates uh, people then to go, oh, that, 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 if they can do it, I can do it. Or if, they, if they've already done it, I want to be able to do it. So it's definitely a, a great little, what, you know, well, let's say gamification of that, um, of that process to be able to introduce that. Now, I also wanted to touch on the fact that this is what we're talking about is is stepping stones. Um, stepping stones, not just to advice, but to engagement, um, having the emotional, the attachment, the engagement, the DIY process, if you like, that allows them to say, well, I'm interested in this now, um, but I might have taken my DIY journey to as far as I can, and I now need to go see a financial advisor. So it's kind of like stepping stones to advice, isn't it? It is, absolutely. And um, again, so many of uh, so many of these clients, and the thing that there's some really interesting research coming coming through, which is the clients that we're talking about um, could be within one or two years of full advice journeys, but they, they are operating differently. And some research that we we looked at recently suggested that the majority of an advisor's profit is being generated by what we know as the current retirement market which is, you know, the, the, the really valuable 
um, clients that have got their their retirement savings set. And and we're not saying throw the baby boomers out with the bathwater. We're saying there's a spot, but there's, these are your acorns coming through, but those acorns are gr- growing faster than you might think. And what is what is really coming out in that research in the with the the wealth transfer from our current retirement market in the next ten to twenty years, the actual split of an advisor's profit will probably invert, and that is the most profitable clients or where they're making their profit from today's retirees will actually be substituted by the next generation coming through. And so, building the generation now, and if you're an advisor that's you know, the average advisor age might be what forty nine years. I'm not sure the XY users might might be representative of that. We know they're going to be around for ten or fifteen years in in business, so they'll be dealing with a totally different set of clients. So, so getting the right clients and the mix, and this whole theme of changing your mix and being discerning about your target market, is not about choosing the right client only in today's retiree market. That's definitely a part of it, but it's actually choosing the right clients to nurture through that process, which, you know, does get back to data, does get back to digital and how they'll engage with you. Yeah, and there's, there's all sorts of things to unpack in there, longevity of the business and uh, diversification of the business as well, you know, not just not just looking at, I mean, obviously businesses do well when they niche right down into one specific type of client. Um, but then, of course, then if those people are in retirement or or, or whatever it might be, then you're, 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 you're the longevity of the business needs to be considered. So, um, you know, bringing in that, as you mentioned, that having a range of, um, you know, pre-retirees as well as retirees or accumulators as well as retirees. Now, that's sort of the, the I guess, probably the big opportunity we sort of covered there, you know, with regard to supply and demand. Um, what's What are some of the other opportunities you see within the, the current landscape? Oh, look, certainly um, I think that the the supply and demand part is is a part of it, but um, working on the business um, is, is equally important. And, and that's the, the efficiency part of a practice. And this, this sense of digitizing practices is, is being talked about quite readily, but it is at the heart of, of everything that we're talking to advisors about and AFSLs in particular. And, and this digitization, we spend a lot of time talking about there's so much data coming through. Like the, the, the amount of data is just astronomical. And we start to, you know, when, when you think about, you know, a bit of a fun fact here is that you know, there's some three, as humans, we're, we're producing 300 billion emails every day. It's just mind-blowing. And there's 500 million tweets out there. Um, and 90% of the data that exists today was, an act, was actually created in the last two years. So you start with this big picture of, wow, we're in this data age. And you go, okay, well, that's fine. It's almost like drinking from a fire hydrant. But then the concept of a mindset for advisors and and practices is, is, you know, how do I digitize my practice? And digitizing does get into the structured and unstructured. And there's so many services that we're seeing now, Fraser, whereby AFSLs are, are, you know, one of their value propositions is, you know, how can we help you with your tech stack? And I, I never thought I'd be hearing people mentioning tech stacks as, as you know, a, a value proposition. How can I help you with your X-Plan um, version? And all of this gets to the, the crux of help me digitize my practice so I can do all these other great things. Yeah, exactly right. Digitization has certainly been one of those things that has been when it's it's kind of like the the, the outcome is great. We can get all these the, the stuff, but the process along the way has often caused 
a little bit of pain and think of thinking, do I need to do I need to push my own pathway through this jungle, or is there a, a prearranged you know a map and a way through? So, absolutely, and and efficiency is something that I think advisors have been crying out for over the last few years, with more and more um, requirements being stacked upon you know upon each other. And I think you know this is the scary part the 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 digitization is just it's a building block of what you could do and it could be um, a building block for having a a totally different um, opportunity to to realize with millennials or those who are more digitized you think that's a really fun and positive way to think about it but having a digitized practice can also be one whereby if your licensee or a regular says i'd like to have a look at these 50 client files or these 20 client files you know, I've seen it, that store businesses. We saw it store some of the major banks, which is, you know, that notice. I'd like to understand more about it. And what we see is that this, this conversation where advisors are experiencing huge amounts of stress and anxiety um, and lost time is actually from doing a lot of compliance stuff. You hear about, oh, there's, it's too much compliance. Well, there is, but a lot of it is, is involved with tasks that are non-value-adding. It's trying to find this piece of information for that client, which is a file note, which is an email, which is an SOA, which is an ROA, which is, you know, in all different spots. So the digitization process about bringing that together and structuring that data so that if there isn't an inquiry or if you do want to actually be proactive in your, your compliance, you've got that foundation. And and we, we see that, you know, the value of there's a distinction between data and structured data and we use the 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 data is the new new oil analogy, which I'm sure many people have heard. It is great. I love the analogy, and you're absolutely right about compliance. Compliance has never been the problem. It's the inefficiencies around compliance and the ineffectiveness around the compliance that's, that people have frustrations with. Um, you, you know, the uh, absolutely right. And structured data, as you said, is like um, is like oil. There's plenty of it there now, and we just need to work out how to refine it. That's right, and and that's the thing. Otherwise, it's kind of just gooey and horrible and smelly, as opposed to you can make lots of lots of interesting things that, that drive outcomes. So we um, we see that, that that approach of the digitizing of the practices is the major opportunity that, that people could springboard off um, going forward. And you know, so if I kind of recap on the, the areas that, that everyone is, that we're, we're talking to groups about, and this is you know not us telling them, this is what they're telling us, there's a lot of innovative practices out there is that this, this sense which I talked about Drive profit from the right clients and grow that segment is is key. Um, digitizing the practice is a is the the pedestal for that, and and with that comes increased profitability and hopefully with a better deal for the clients as well. We're getting less cost and more efficiency coming into the practice, and and we see that as um, the world we're in at the moment is is probably the the frequency of change will continue as it is. I don't think there's anything unique about the world we're, we're dealing with, but those enablers of digitising and and, um, and and preparing is is something that we truly believe on. And it's it's so strange because it's not a traditional characteristic or attribute that we've asked planners or AFSLs to take on. We've asked them to be technically brilliant, to 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 be great communicators, to to be very empathetic, to be profitable. Usually, small to medium enterprises. But we haven't actually asked them to also be kind of tech genius, geniuses on the side. So there's there's another one to jump through. Yeah, it's a, the tech genius part is one that I think people struggle with because it's it's in a, it's a whole new world. And if you can, I guess the you, you get it wrong, you get it wrong. 
um, it's, it's often a way that people find as one of the challenges, you know, we're talking about opportunities and we're also, it's probably one of the challenges too. Uh, it, it is. And, um, and we've done some work with, with advisors um, uh, and, and uh, looking at really the, the impacts of all of this change and their ability to adapt with it. And we've, we've done a series of, of webinars with a researcher by the name of um, Dr. Adam Fraser. And one of the things he looked at is why are advisors are some of the most stressed people as a profession, which is terrible. Um, and he did a, a really substantial survey of some 800 advisors. But within that cohort, they found about 45 advisors who were known as thrivers. And, and this cohort of people, there was a really common attribute was that they took this, this approach, which was a realisation that what I'd done in the past to make me successful probably won't necessarily make me successful in the future. And we've heard that in you know, different, different forums before. But they're, they're very much um, the, the theme that came through was that they were really happy, and the term I use is they were happy to throw things over their shoulder to someone else to deal with that had a better capability. Um, and that might have been the digitising of the practice or the outsourcing of the compliance or the tech stack. But what came through was it allowed them to very much be focused on what they loved doing and got all the energy from, which was advice giving. When you think about it, advisors, as their businesses are actually getting bigger, and that's, that's one of the things that's happening is that the complexity is increasing with, with the change. They're having to give up some of the tasks that they used to do and this theme of just because I can do it doesn't mean I should do it. And, and that's what we're seeing people making decisions constantly about. I traditionally gave strategic financial advice and I gave investment construction advice. That's the classic that everyone talks about. Just because I can doesn't mean I should because in doing the potentially the investment approach where it might be an individual portfolio for every client, we know there's an ROA, SOA involvement. So the shift is like, okay, what, what's my next step to that? Is it actually an approach of using a model? Or is it a core and satellite approach or do I outsource to a managed account provider or to an investment professional or asset consultant? So what we're seeing is that that migration away from what I used to do to something that's very different. And the really pleasing thing is that a lot of the investment advice side, which is you know pretty fun and exciting and what probably motivated a lot of advisors originally to take on the profession, is something that that the clients are willing to see outsourced, but they value the strategic advice more. And so it's this kind of reshaping of the value proposition, which used to be, you used to get two things from me, where you get this and you get more of that. Um, so we see that that change um, is readily accepted by the end user being the client, but it's probably more, more challenging to let advisors accept that um, in their own mind. Yeah, it certainly is. It's obviously been a mindset that a lot of advisors have been through recently, trying to work out where they do and don't um, start and stop with their value prop- propositions and and um, and getting their heads around that. But also, you know, um, uh, sometimes by trying to do everything means that you can't do everything, and and you that's actually a compliance risk in itself. Oh, absolutely. And the the overlay of the the compliance risk when we really think about it is that it's been very reactive. So compliance has been, tell me what you did. And what we're seeing as a as, a, as an opportunity through through digitization, and this is being adopted by many AFSLs and providers, is how do you do um, proactive or preventative client um, compliance, which is here's what the risk profile said, here's what I'm doing, 
this is what would normally occur for this client. Does this look right before it's even implemented? And and that's that's very different from big stick chasing to actually something quite comforting. I was going to say a lot of that comes into you know being able to have the system that can check the data on the way through, um, rather than rather than the inefficiency of having a compliance person look over one person's shoulder but be able to use a system or use some digitization to be able to assess those things on, and give a few ticks on the way through. Absolutely, there's so many people on this this journey. There's there's great great um, providers out there, but it's not easy. You would have seen recently, I think, even with the ASX and their blockchain. Um, enhancements that we've we've seen coming through is that these are not easy things to to upgrade and change you know systems that the industry uses. But we you know we're really pleased with the progress that we make at, at Hub Twenty Four on 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 one obviously being a, a a platform and managed account provider, but we see our role as being broader with other industry participants to help build the foundation that we've talked about because. If we don't get the foundation right, advisors will never help them really deliver the efficiency that they demand to, to be in this business. Yeah, one of the um, one of the thoughts around open banking was it was going to allow um, allow for this unsiloed approach of you know um, large corporates keeping the information to themselves and not being prepared to to um, not so much share the data but to, to structure the data in a way that, they, that clients can actually call upon it. Yes, we've seen we've seen that. I remember talking with a, a client about three years ago about how open access to open banking data was imminent, and um, I think this we're still seeing different banks roll that out. There was there was you know different different um, order of events and their capability to do it. A lot more of that information is now available. Um, we know that um, you know as an example with our business, we've we've got over two hundred different data connections. Which covers everything from you know, your, your X plan um, data to our own platform to to you know share registries and the like to margin lenders and 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 the case. So there is real progression forward um, on that. Banks are a core part of it. Unless you can get that transaction um, data coming through, at least a line item line item summarising that. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's a fundamental part. But it's good. It's empowering people with their own financial future and it kind of takes us all the way back to the start which is if there's a gen- different generation who want to go on a journey they need access to their own data and that consolidated view and and us enabling that is, is something that we see is is a real journey it's something we started the journey some four four nearly five years ago um, and we still think that you know we were early in that but there's heaps heaps of work to do yet yeah, it's funny isn't it from a consumer point of view if i put my consumer hat on i'm thinking to myself Surely, uh, an, an industry like the financial services or the profession of financial services should be able to to get this sorted with all of the resources it has available to it. That because um, because any inefficiency currently in the process or the system is borne by by me, the consumer. Oh, it is, and and I think this is the thing that comes through is that um, probably some of the experiences that the financial services industry in whole, and if we think about. Um, uh, that is somewhat different to what most consumers expect. Like if I if I consume uh, a lot through my my iPhone and I've got you know whether it be my music library or a Spotify account or it, it could be um, anything else that consolidates any part of my life, the experience I get often through financial services is a single view and click once and I've got that link to this account. And I can play it through my speakers in my lounge room. You think about the analogy of what we do seamlessly. In the rest of our life, our industry is not immune to that. 
we don't get to get out of jail card because it's called financial services. So us breaking the friction points is essential. And again, that next generation coming through the digital natives who are getting $3.5 trillion of wealth transfer to them, that's their minimum standard, which is yep. you've got to be able to deal with me on the terms I'm dealing with everybody else in my life. It's how I shop. Yep. It's how I, I consume. It's how I, I interact with people. So we're on a journey, but I think you know it's the right journey. Yes, and we really need to try and close that gap between where consumers are expecting uh, financial services to be to where they, uh, where we've currently got to. Um, so, so those those are probably some of the big opportunities that we've been through. Are there any more opportunities that you see for advisors? Um, I think the the opportunities that we're seeing for advisors um, very much at, at the moment is that the education process that they've gone through. Um, through um, FASIA and that, that took a huge amount of time and and stress um, from them. And I think the opportunity that we're seeing now is in the absence of that, which was some really heavy, hard yards of study for, for many people, is how do you want to use that time that's now available to you? And and that might be something as simple as that's how they need to recharge because I think you know, one of the things we've seen is it's okay not to use that time to go and get busy again. It's actually to recharge your batteries and do something in your business or with your family or, or your life. But many, the nature of advisors is they're just going to go and solve another problem. The, the nature of entrepreneurs is that, okay, well, how do I apply that? And I, I certainly, um, uh, we're seeing this, that the opportunity for advisors, again, it goes back to, to be collaborating more um, with their peers. I think this, the last two years has shown us something which is the community, and you, you, you guys are just the best part of a community exemplified, which is do I spend that time more as a part of my advisor community? And I think what comes off the back of that is, is there's new insights, there's new, new thoughts about what I outsource, what do I get involved in, um, and there's new energy. So we're seeing that opportunity of some really tough, mundane you know, new AFSL, new education, all those sort of things to supplant that with some really positive uplifting things um, and we're seeing again those advisors that are thriving they've got a very balanced approach they haven't automatically gone into it they've they've been participants of you know of the communities like uh, xy and and the like and some of the things that ourselves and other groups have done so we'd see that very much as be kind to yourself at the moment is uh is, is a real opportunity for for many advisors Yep, and without uh, without digging too deeply into the mental uh, health of financial advisors, because um, we are trying to keep it uh, keep it upbeat and obviously uh, flexible and that uh, mentally flexible. Talk to us about some of the challenges that have been um, the headwinds that advisors have faced, and 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 where they and you know how, how do we then turn those things into opportunities? Um, I think the the biggest headwinds that that they've really really faced is just the the rate of change that's that's come at them, and I think that the the um, the example I'll give you, like this is just to rattle off a few, and that was you know so we had LIF reforms, we had COVID nineteen relief for our clients, we had for CEO is SDB legislation, retirement incomes report, um, OFA change arrangements, breach reporting changes, DDO, all these sorts of things. You just name it. That's only a list of about fifteen. Um, running across about four regulatory bodies. I think that the opportunity at the moment is to say we got our house in order. I think that's very much the case, but it's not stopping. So that challenge is it's going to be there. The The next immediate challenge is getting ongoing advice obligations completed so there's not a revenue impact um, 
So we see that as probably one of the more immediate um, challenges um, coming through. The the other part, you know, that we're seeing is that, you know, it'd be fair to say, you know, in the, the last couple of years, market's been quite friendly to a lot of clients from their investment portfolios. It's kind of set a, an interesting um, expectation. And we know things have eased very much of late. But I think going, you know, one of the big challenges will be getting people back to here's what you might want to expect, you know, and some of the changes that we see managers talking about, you know, taking some risk off the table, restructuring, slightly more defensive positions. They're very much back to the core of what advice givers are doing. So I think it's it's in some ways it's a challenge, but it's the this the part of the conversation and and the work that advisors do, which is most value to clients, which is it doesn't just keep running this way. You know, we're not, not picking share market falls or anything like that, but we're certainly seeing some de-risking and restructuring that, that, that's happening. Yeah, certainly it sounds like a lot of communication, a lot of, um, you know, uh, keeping in front of things as they're happening and, and, you know, ongoing communication with clients, letting them know, helping them set expectations. Yes, yeah, certainly. And, um with the amount of change that is also going on, people, you know, I don't think there's still a lot to unroll. It doesn't take long to walk down down the street and see there's some some changes in you know where people shop and and some small businesses and you know I don't think it's it's fully transpired what the financial impact the last couple of years has had. Now some of that will be really positive. I'm sure it will be, and people have had the opportunity to do different things they've never done before. But the challenge will be um, keeping abreast of how did it affect everybody. If I'm running, you know, a business that's got a couple of hundred clients, staying abreast of just how much change impacted that impacted those 200 clients, which was COVID-related, as well as some of them having retired and some of those having inherited and some of those having changed jobs. There's just another layer of the requirement to know where is my client at now. The great news on the back of that, as as we probably appreciate, is that pretty well every part of it is is um, a likely opportunity for an advice event to help help the client um, you know, take that next step. Yep. So, again, it's the opportunities to fill the void with things that, that are great, um, but it does get back to, to you know, getting the, the foundations of the business right. Yep. Now, now, with your entrepreneurial head on, let's talk about what the future might look like for an advice practice. Wow. I'd love to say it's a, a, a practice that the advisor is kind of four days a week and, and getting, you know, somewhere around eight weeks a a year off and and the like. I don't think it's that way. I just think that the the nature of advisors is, is very different to that, and they'll continue to be busy. Um, we really we really do see that it will be a mix of of the digital and the human, though Fraser. I think that at the moment, most practices with that that client interaction is all human. For us to to really look into the future of how more Australians get financial advice, a practice will have to have a digital solution. Um, for some part of the client journey. And yep. it will probably be small steps through it, whether it be fact-finding or, or guided journeys, to ultimately that description I said before, a couple hundred core clients rotating through 600. We're, we're solidly of the belief that is is very much where it will be. So clients rotating in and out of your core offering but still being on in that peripheral of, 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 of offering them whether it's education or literacy or That's information right. or whatever it might be. So a lot of – and when you say digital, um, you're not just talking about robo-advice. You're talking about things um automations and being able to record something and send it out to a lot of Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, the entrepreneurs that we've seen, you know, they, they use, you know, apps like Slack and the like, they create channels that 
that that people can run on. Those that are that are probably on the more entrepreneurial side um, are very much moving to to the recognition. I've got to be digitised. I'm going to have a different set of clients. They're probably going to be a bit more high net worth the ones that I'm dealing with at the moment because that's that's the nature of it. Um, I've got a, a mind for the future of how I'm dealing with them, uh, as in the the periphery clients. And remembering there was kind of this argument before this this term of do I sack clients, which is you know most advisors you know were pretty pretty horrified by that concept. You don't sack clients, you know they're just struggling to work out what to do with them. So I think the practice of the future is very much about we're getting close to finding a solution to clients I couldn't realistically provide the service I want for. So that's very much a part of it. I don't think the world of SAC clients is, is is really upon us. It's differential services from from price and, and, and relationship. But the advisor at the centre again, and we talked about this, if I could describe it this way, is as the practices got bigger, them playing the instruments historically versus to conducting the orchestra is probably what it looks like. And... And that, that being very different, which is that, that that orchestra or the components of the orchestra could be other specialists outside of this, whether it be their accountants, their lawyers, and the like quite traditional in, in that. But it could be their their tech consultants, their compliance consultants and the like. And the entrepreneurs are very much seeing themselves as that's my a part of my job um, and to a degree them trying to protect their advice-giving hours. So instead of trying to do those jobs, outsource those, conduct that part of your business, but here's the core part of what I want to do. And, you know, they're adopting that. And I, I kind of go back to the the nature of of what the, the the entrepreneurs do is that they're changing how people do things. That That's the nature of it. They're doing that. And when it gets to it, then the nature of the entrepreneurs that we're seeing is that their, their mindset hasn't changed. They're constantly seeing possibilities and solutions where the average person sees it as an annoyance. So that mindset's not changing, and, and I, I, I try and you know, apply this. That if I'm seeing something as an annoyance, if someone's seeing it as a positive, it must be able to be seen as a positive, and and that's what I think that they're doing, which is they're working really hard to keep their mindset right for that success. So it just doesn't happen. It's, it's not just. It's actually a lot of process um, associated with with what entrepreneurs do. Um, yep. So we see we see very much that them maintaining this business but they're thriving they're absolutely of a view that this is a great industry to be in you know there's a, a seismic change in in wealth transfer that they'll be a part of and giving advice on and all the technologies are at their fingertips they're not all smooth um but if they're they're willing and have a capacity to embrace it they'll see themselves as having very successful businesses yeah. and ultimately what's it about it's the biggest you know it's their their life's work it's their asset they'll see an appreciation of the value of that which is, you know, ultimately from from the end of the day, they've got, you know, lives to lead and, and assets to build. We see that, you know, the value of advice businesses, you know, should increase because supply and demand will go back to the fundamentals. You're supplying something that's in high demand and you can make profit from it. Exactly right. And then if you, if you, you overlay that equation and we want to grow our businesses, then scale is definitely the – seems to be the way we need to the, – it's the, it's the piece of the jigsaw puzzle that we need to unlock. It is. Greg, thanks so much for coming and chatting to us today. Really appreciate it. If somebody wants to reach out to you, find out more about what you're doing uh, there at Hub or, or reach out to you individually, what's the best way for them to continue the conversation? 
Uh, best way to do that, um, we've got a, a, a national team of business development managers and state managers and training relationship managers. Everyone's a manager um, that I seem to be mentioning, um, all listed on our hub website. Um, we we love spending time with advisors. It's actually been quite easy virtually these days. We get to see and hear from a lot more people. Um, but we'd love to hear from you. Um, hub is very much appreciated the success that advisors have, have delivered to us and and um, we, uh, we'd appreciate uh, any input on today's session or anything that we can do to help you with your, your broader, broader business needs and client needs. Craig, thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Fraser. Mm-hmm.